I don't know about you, but every time I see that clip, I get goosebumps. Like, I mean, this is, this is like my movie, okay? This is like the karate kid when I was like a preteen kid. Everyone wanted to be the karate kid. We were jumping around in the schoolyard doing crane kicks and flipping everybody and spending more time in the school nurse because we had no clue what we were doing, just kicking the snot out of each other. It was an awesome way to grow up. It was a lot of fun. Um, if you're here with us today, uh, we do a series uh, during the summer called At the Movies. And what we do is we look at some of these big Hollywood blockbuster movies and we find kind of the biblical truth that's in these movies. And we do this to kind of help all of us use these stories as a bit of a backdrop to help us learn about the kingdom of God, to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our culture today. So today I want to look at the story of young Daniel LaRusso. We saw how he overcame the bullies in his life, how he overcame fear and pressure by basically showing up to the Hill Valley All-Team Karate Tournament and becoming champion of it. So I want to look today on how you and I, as followers of Jesus, in the world that we live in today, how do you and I deal with bullies? Now, maybe some of us, we're a little older, and you know the whole idea of, well, I don't have any bullies in my life. But isn't life itself sometimes a bully? It's just you seem to get walloped or you seem like you're just getting picked on all the time just by life. You know, career stresses, financial stresses, family stresses, all these different things that can just seem to hit us from left, right and center. How do we deal with the bullies in our lives? How do we deal and overcome that fear? But before I kind of dive into today's text and we look at the story of Daniel LaRusso a little bit more, I don't know if you realize this, but we actually have a real karate kid who attends the church here. Okay, I'm going to invite Kiana Pilon who's going to come on up here. You can give her a round of applause. <laughs> so you're, you're nervous, right? Yeah. yeah, you're nervous. That's okay. This is going to be easy. This is going to be friendly. This is going to be... And, I, okay, there's a slight height difference here, right? Right? I'm a little taller. But I have the feeling she could totally whoop me if she wanted to. I don't, could you? If if you wanted to put me down, you could, couldn't you? Yeah, see? I love just that quiet confidence. Yeah, Pastor Kevin, you're toast. You know, I'm very grateful that your parents are raising you well and you're a very sweet kid, so... So maybe just talk a little bit. So you've been competing all over the world, right? Yeah. So where have you gone? Um, I've gone to Orlando. Oops, I forgot to turn that on. That's my fault. There you go. I've gone to Orlando. And I've gone to Greece. Um, well, I'm going to Greece, but um, yeah. Um, and you've been to Ireland? Yeah. Ireland. And what did you win in Ireland? I got... First place and uh, two third place. Um, yeah, that's cool. So, so when you see that crane kick, I kind of like it looked really cool, right? When Daniel Larusso, he's there, he can't stand on his leg because he's got that injury, and he's like this. Like when I was your, I thought this was the coolest thing in the world. Now you think this isn't actually good, right? 
Why? Because you don't have your hands protecting your face, so they could... Protect your face, right? Yeah. So how would you do it? So we have the same move in karate. It's called the pump front kick. That was pretty fast. Can you do that again? Yeah. Yeah. See, okay. Now, can you teach me to do that? Why are you laughing? Like, you think that's... She's laughing at me. Okay. So how do we do that? So you lift up your front leg. Oh, okay. Okay. So here's here. Step on my here, yeah. You step one foot back. Step one foot back. Your front leg comes up. Here we go down. Okay. A kick with the leg I'm standing on? Yeah, so you Holy bring that foot down while Okay. You're recording this. Okay. <laughs> For those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, this is going to go viral. That's <laughs> not bad. That's not bad. Awesome. So let me ask you just one last question. So when you compete, do you get nervous? Uh, yeah, I get nervous. Um... At the beginning, um, I was really nervous, but once I continued doing it more often, I got less nervous. Yeah. So practice and doing it more often helps you get rid of the nerves. And what else do you do to help you not be nervous? Um, I pray before I compete, and uh, I listen to music. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate you helping. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot. I was supposed to wear this when we did our practice together. See, she, she brought me this so I could be... So she could be the karate kid and I can be the karate old fart, right? Now, do you want to put me down? No, please don't. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate your help. Awesome. <laughs> See, and so if you're my age, the whole story of Daniel LaRusso, you've heard the story before of the karate kid. He's this kid who moves from Boston to L.A., you know, and his mother is all, his single mom is all excited about this new life that they're going to start as a family, these new opportunities. But Daniel finds himself uh, dealing with the local bullies. And for Daniel, life isn't great. In fact, life is really hard. Like, how does he go to school with these bullies that are constantly chasing him down and constantly after him? So he meets up with this guy named Mr. Miyagi. We all loved Mr. Miyagi growing up. We all wanted a Mr. Miyagi. I'm totally out of breath from one kick. Just so if I pass out, you know why, okay? Man, why? One kick. Okay. Going to the gym tomorrow, I promise. Okay. But so he he meets Mr. Miyagi, who teaches him that it's not about the fighting. It's not about the fighting, but there's something else that has to happen in, in your heart, that has to happen in your life in order to gain victory over fear, to gain victory over the bullies of life. And Karate Kid Part 1 finishes on this huge high note. He wins the tournament. He wins the respect of the bullies. Everything is now happy for the rest of Daniel's life. Then we get Karate Kid Part (laughs) 2. And Karate Kid Part 2 starts with Daniel getting dumped by his girlfriend, who he spent the whole first movie getting his butt whooped for. Really? Really? The whole thing with the bully was over this girl. And then he gets bullied for her, and she just dumps him anyway. So, gentlemen, young guys, just play it slow. Don't rush into anything. Take it easy, because it just may not work out in the end, okay? His car breaks down. 
everything is going wrong in his life at this moment. His mother has to go away for the summer, and it looks like he's going to have to leave again. But he works it out with Mr. Miyagi that he can spend the summer with him. But unfortunately, Mr. Miyagi gets some troubling news, that his father, back in Okinawa, is passing, is dying. So Mr. Miyagi returns to Okinawa, and Daniel joins him on this adventure to now be the one to support his friend and his mentor in his time of need. But when they get to Okinawa, you find out things aren't all that great there. The reason Mr. Miyagi left Okinawa was because of a girl. It's weird how Hollywood really plays on this theme. (laughs) But there was this girl engaged to be married to Mr. Miyagi's best friend, Sato. And they were best friends. And because of the relationship, Sato was offended by Mr. Miyagi and this girl's love. So instead of fighting his best friend, Miyagi fled to the United States. But his friend never forgave. And for years and years and years, this hatred grew. It's like a root of bitterness. Once it gets into your heart, it grows more and more and becomes almost uncontrollable. That you now start passing that bitterness and that hatred on to other members of your family. And Daniel, who thought he was going to spend a great summer learning about Okinawa culture, now finds himself facing an even greater bully, the nephew of Sato named Chosen, who's been well-trained in karate, who is dangerous. And he's got his sights on Daniel now to take him out. So just watch how their relationship unfolds in this clip. You think you can do better, Big Mouth? Huh? You think you can do better? Huh? Drop the line. I don't know. That's fine. huh? Maybe some other time. There is no other time. So whatever problems Mr. Miyagi has with your uncle, they don't have to be ours. Oh, we have our own. Hey, Kumiko, where are you going? You go nowhere. Call my uncle. You will take a bet. Yes! I give three to one, eh? No, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You have a choice. Broken ice or broken neck. Hey, hey, you've got to break all three, right? Wrong! Or six. All the bets in! All the bets in! (laughs) Not all bets. Not yet. Boy, am I glad to see you here. No worry, nothing. We have to fix everything. What odds? Three to one. He does not make through ice. How many pieces? Six. Okay, come on, let's get out of here. Six hundred dollars, eh? He breaks all six. Six hundred bucks? I cannot cover that. You are covered. Yosh. Now we have bet.
show up Monday night in the cafe, come for popcorn, we're going to do a Bible study afterwards, it's going to be amazing. Okay? Um, the Bible actually has a lot of stories in it on how we deal with life, how we deal with the surprises of life, and how we deal with giants. And probably the most famous story on how we deal with giants is the story of David and Goliath. Whether you're not kind of from a church background, you would have heard the story of David and Goliath. This is this young shepherd boy who stands before the giant who's nine feet tall. Kind of like Kiana and I. That was a really good in- illustration for it. Here you got that height difference, right? So I'm going to read here a little bit of the story. I'm going to skip through different parts of it to hit the highlights of the story here. This is recorded for us in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Samuel was a prophet of, of Israel. And, and we see this call that David has on his life. Now, it's interesting when you know the history of Israel at this point. You see, God's plan for his people was to never have a king. He wanted them to be ruled by prophets. But the people didn't like being different than everybody else. When all the other nations have a king and they don't have one, they don't like looking different. So they beg God for a king. And so they raise up, the the, God calls this man named Saul. And he's fine for a while, but we see the, the, the power goes to his head and the Spirit of God leaves him. He starts doing things that kings are not supposed to do. So God's blessing leaves Saul and anoints David that he will one day become this king. That the lineage of David will bring salvation and hope to the entire world. And so we read about this encounter that David has with this giant Goliath. I'm going to start reading here in verse 4. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like the weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. 
Give me a man and let us fight each other. Jump down here a little bit to to verse 28. And we see David. David was going back and forth. He wasn't a part of the army, but his brothers were. So David would go back and forth bringing supplies and, and, and food to his brothers and getting news about what's going on to bring news to his older father so he could hear how his sons were doing. And so we can see, starting down in verse 28, you know, when Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men because David was trying to find out what was going on. He was gathering information about this giant, about this Goliath, who's mocking God, who's mocking the people of God, who's mocking the armies of God. When his brother hears about this, that David's speaking to these men, he burned with anger, right? And he asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And here David responds, well, now what have I done? Said David, can I not even speak? So David's got this problem with his older brothers that's happening because they're probably terrified. (laughs) They're waiting on this battlefield for days and days and days, and no man in the army has the nerve to stand before this giant, before this bully. Everyone's nerves are on edge. The story continues here. I'm going to jump down to verse 38, where finally David says, man, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. You see, David's a shepherd. And David's out in the wilderness protecting his sheep. And he's fought lions and wolves and bears. And he's not afraid to stand up and protect who God has called him to protect. So he says he's going to do it. So the king hears that someone's finally got the nerve to stand up to this giant. And so Saul, the king, has now got to get David prepared. So we see Saul's reply in verse uh, 33 says, Well, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. And so Saul assesses the situation like any king should do. And then in verse 38, it says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over a tunic and tried walking around, but he was not used to them. David's response was, I cannot use these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from from the stream, put them in his pouch in his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, approached the Philistine. And then we all know how the story ends. This young shepherd boy stands before the giant with a sling in hand, a piece of rope and a piece of leather, with a small rock. He swings it, and in the name and glory of God, he defeats the giant. And he's brought into the king's court with all of these celebration and praise. And you'd think from then on, David's life would be great. But that was giant number one. And then life just seems to happen. And then there's giant number two. Now the king, who was so thrilled to have David overthrow this army, now the king himself hates David because of God's blessing on his life. And David's got to deal with that. And eventually he deals with that. Oh, but then guess what? There's another thing that happens. Oh, and then guess what? There's another thing that happens. Oh, and then guess what? When he gets a little older, his own son wants to have him killed and overthrown to take his throne. 
life just seems to keep hitting us. How do we deal with bullies? What do we need to do when giants just keep coming? I think there's some great principles that we can learn from this story of the karate kid, as well as from our Bible story here today about David and Goliath. If we really want to overcome the giants in our lives, I think there's three things Sorry, there's three things that happen to us when the giants show up. So I want to look at what happens first, what happens to us when giants show up, and then I'm going to look at different ways that we can deal with the giant. So three things that happen when we deal with giants. The first point is this, is when giants show up, it looks impossible. When the giants of life show up, When the bullies in life show up, it looks like it's impossible to deal with, right? When Daniel LaRusso, he thought he was going to get this great vacation in Okinawa. You know, he bought like this big book and he's learning all about the history. He learns about the big army base that was put there during World War II. He's learning about the culture. He's learning about the, you know, how karate descended throughout uh, Mr. Miyagi's family for generations. He's just having this wonderful time until these bullies show up. Start making his life miserable. And they're not just picking on him the way, you know, he was dealing with that in his high school in L.A. These bullies are threatening his life. Because honor in that culture is so huge. And they believe Daniel has disgraced their honor. And they need to have their honor restored. And if he won't fight them, that they need to kill him to restore honor. And Daniel's looking at this situation. Okay, it's one thing to fight in a karate tournament and get three points. It's another thing having a whole bunch of people who want you dead. It looks impossible. It looks absolutely impossible. That's the same response that the people of Israel have when they see the giant Goliath. It's impossible. There is no way any of us could stand and survive an attack from this giant. So we better do nothing. Isn't that the response when things look impossible? The default response in our human nature, the default is to do nothing. Because it's easier to do nothing and sit in our fear than risk doing something. Because if the people of Israel fail, it's not just one guy who's going to die. I mean, it stinks to be that guy. But um, the rest of them will become slaves. Don't we be better if you be the one to die than be having to become slaves for the, who knows how many generations to the Philistines. Right? So it looks absolutely impossible. When the giant comes into your life, whether it's struggle in your marriage it could look like it's impossible. Whether it's dealing with finances and struggling to make ends meet, it could look impossible. Whether it's dealing with a job that you're just struggling to do, struggling with school and exams and all of the responsibilities, whether it's dealing with pornography and the culture, the hyper-sexualized culture that we live in, it looks, it looks like the battle is impossible, so we do nothing. The second thing that we see from this story is not only does it look impossible to us, 
Well, guess what? Everyone around us then begins to tell us it's impossible. <laughs> like the response of David's brothers is hilarious because they know that David has been coming back and forth to the army. They know that David has been bringing food and bringing word back to their father. This isn't David's first visit to the, excuse me, to the army. He's been doing this regularly. But because he's now asking questions about this Goliath, because he's sitting there and he's poking the bear, literally, he's like, why isn't anyone doing anything? Why isn't someone doing something about this? Now the brothers are getting mad. Because <laughs> it looks impossible. And for some reason, our stupid kid brother here doesn't realize how impossible this is. <laughs> so we, because we love him, we're going to tell him how wrong he is. <laughs> There's something weird that happens. Even in our story with Daniel LaRusso, the default response is to let's just run away. Let's leave. Let's escape in the middle of the night. Let's not deal with this problem. Let's just get away. And everyone says, yeah, you should do that. You should just run away. You should just get away. You should just escape in the night. It's weird how this works. When we come face to face with bullies, when we come face to face with fear and the struggles in life, how quick people are to come around us and say, you can't do it. What's the deal with that? And it's not usually strangers that do it. It's usually the people who we are the closest to, who their response is, well, I know you. And I know all of your faults and I know all of your strengths and I'm looking at this problem there's no way you could do this. So we see it's impossible. People around us are telling you it's impossible. I remember when I was making that, that switch. I used to work in the computer industry years ago, and I was making this switch from going for, into the computer industry, and I really felt God put it on my heart to go into pastoral ministry. And I'm going to be honest, I had no clue what that even meant. I had a friend of mine who was mentoring me and he was guiding me in it and he said you would be great at it I had no clue what pastors even did i thought they just drank coffee all week and made up sermons on sunday on the fly really that's what i thought and do the occasional wedding and funeral that sounds like an awesome job sign me up i'll do it right and he's like yeah you can do it you can do it you can do it my small group you can't do it mentors in my life you can't do it one of my professors in seminary yeah, you can't do it. I did much better in his next class. That first one was a, <laughs> I had to learn how to study again. I'd forgotten how. Uh, but then he liked me at the end, so we're good. But again and again and again, you will come face to face with people who will say, this is impossible. And then the final thing that happens when we have giants in our lives and we deal with bullies is we deal with it the wrong way. We deal with it the wrong way. In the story of David and Goliath, what we see happening here is Saul looks at the situation and he takes young David and he says, you have to wear my armor because I'm looking, I'm assessing. This is what the situation looks like. There's no way you can defeat this guy without the armor, without my sword, without my shield, without my helmet, without my breastplate. You need all of these things. But that was wrong. It was the wrong way to deal with the situation. Same thing with Daniel LaRusso. It would have been very easy for him to give in to anger and to use his training in a bad way 
to take revenge on these people who've been bullying him, to exercise his strength, to get what he wants, to have what he deserves. And could have easily used this gift that Mr. Miyagi had given him of this karate training and use it the wrong way to deal with the bullies. He could have easily have become a bully himself and respond in that way. And so the situation for Daniel gets very, very serious. And he finds himself literally not in a tournament to get a couple of points, but literally finding himself in a battle for his life. Let's just watch this clip. Behind you! So then, don't do this. I was wrong. Hate is wrong. It's over. I cannot hear you, Uncle. I am dead to you, remember? Huh? Chosen, you are your uncle's finest student. Not disgrace him here. Your student disgraced me. I have been dishonored all because of him. Whatever happened, I apologize. Apology will not give me back my honor. Well, neither will this. In their eyes, it will. No more talk. You cross bridge, I kill her. Daniel, sir, it's not tournament. It's for real. Now! to death. give away the ending (laughs) come tomorrow night we'll watch it together um if church for you is sunday morning if it's something that you do occasionally to just tack on to a busy life then you're treating church um like a tournament (laughs) three points i win I might take a couple of hits here and there, but it doesn't really matter. I've been following Jesus for 20 years. I've been pastoring for 11. And the battle's real. The battle's real. It's not a game. 
It's not a tournament. Eternity is at stake. There are people who will spend eternity separated from God. There are people who say they believe in Jesus, but their sin in their life is keeping either God very far or they're just playing a game. And one day they will stand before the king and they will hear, I don't know you. We have to be very truthful when we study the Bible. The the Bible isn't a book about, oh, just be more like David. That's called moralism. There are a lot of good people out there. The reason we study about David is so that we can understand the faith that he had, so so that we can know the God that he followed, so that we can realize there is a battle going on. And we need to be constantly prepared for the bullies and the giants. So how do we do that? How can we be like Daniel's son? How can we step across that bridge, move out of the tournament and step into the real battle, the spiritual battle that's happening across this world and in our lives? I think the Bible teaches us some great points. You know, we see these things played out in the movie as well. Right? If you want to be able to stand up to the giant, the first thing you need to do is breathe. Daniel needs to find focus. <laughs> Calm down. Breathe. <laughs> the Bible says this in Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We are running our lives like chickens with our heads cut off. We have lost the ability to be still. And not to come before God with my big list of wants, with my big list of to-dos, with my big list, but just to be still in his presence for a moment to maybe hear a whisper from him to let him to so that he could let us know that he's close that we could let him hear uh, so that we could hear him when the giant is before us when it looks impossible when everyone's telling us it's impossible when we're so busy trying to do things the wrong way to deal with the giant We need to learn to breathe, to be still before God and hear from him. The second thing that I think that we need to do if we want to be able to deal with the giants of life is we have to know that the giant is not the problem. The giant is not the problem, right? See, the people of Israel didn't have a Philistine army problem. The people of Israel didn't have a Goliath the giant problem. What the people of Israel have is a lack of faith problem. The problem's not the army. The problem's not the giant. The problem is a lack of faith in who God is 
and what God wants to accomplish and what God has promised his children. Our problems, your problems, the problem that you're facing, and maybe even the problem you're facing right now, is not the problem. Your problem is a spiritual problem. I mean, look at how the Bible says this. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Daniel's problem in the Karate Kid is not a bully problem. It's a hatred problem that the Bible actually teaches us will go for generations upon generations if it's never dealt with. Your giant, my giant, is not the problem. Spiritual problem. I've come to believe this more and more and more as I follow Jesus. And when I talk with people, when I mentor people, when I, when I do pastoral counseling with people, that's the work I try to do. If you're struggling with pornography, your computer's not the problem. It's a spiritual problem that needs to be addressed spiritually. If you have money problems, it's not a balance sheet problem. It's a spiritual problem. Have you let the love of money grip your heart? That's a spiritual issue. If you find struggles in your relationships and you're fighting all the time, it's not a marriage problem. It's a spiritual problem. That are you letting the spirit of God actually change you? Are you just putting your heels down and you're fighting to get what you want? If you're doing that, you're dealing with it the wrong way. (laughs) Whatever problems you face, whatever giants are before you, it's a spiritual problem. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching this online and you say, well, I'm not really a spiritual person. (laughs) I'm kind of watching this thing because you shared it or I'm here at church in person because someone dragged me here. Whatever your story is, that's awesome that you're hearing this. (laughs) But I know that you have giants in your life. (laughs) And you're going to go through life trying to solve these giants and overcome them yourself. And you're going to get victory over one, but then there'll be another and there'll be another And there'll be another, and eventually it'll wear wear you down and wear you out. You need to solve this problem spiritually. You need to solve this spiritually. And that's our final point, is if you want to solve this problem spiritually, well, then you need the proper training. You need to use the proper training. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, the verse right before the one we read, It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. If you want to deal with spiritual problems, you need spiritual training. If you want to deal with spiritual problems, you need spiritual training. That's why church just can't just be some add-on thing. It's not just something I do occasionally when it fits my schedule. You don't go to church, you are the church. Okay, let me say that again. You don't go to church, you are the church. Are you taking the teachings of the apostles and the words of Jesus seriously that I've got to give my all to this because there's giants out there. And I want to stand against them. 
so that I can stand up to the bullies, so I can stand up to the giant, so I can be the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God, that has an impact for generations to come. That takes a bit of training. Your flesh, it won't come naturally. Your default when you come before the giant is to do nothing. It's my default. It is. There are days when my alarm clock goes off at 6 a.m. and I know I got to spend that 6 a.m. I'm going to sit down in my nice comfy lazy boy chair and I'm going to meet with Jesus. I'm going to be still. I wear a Fitbit because I can only be still for about three and a half minutes. After about three and a half minutes, my ADHD kicks in and I'm like, I'm done. Okay, like the three and a half minutes, God, you really, that's when you got to speak to me. I'm working to get to 20, but it's a long haul (laughs) to get past three and a half. But every morning when that alarm goes off, snooze, snooze, (laughs) snooze. (laughs) Your flesh doesn't want to do anything. Your flesh wants to respond the wrong way. We look at the impossible. Everyone around us tells us it's impossible. We deal with it the wrong way. (laughs) But we can follow Daniel's example (laughs) and the example of the teachings of the Bible that we can be still before a God who is victorious over all things. That he will overcome all attacks of the enemy. He will overcome all sin and all death. <laughs> that he has equipped you and that he's called you to an amazing adventure. An amazing adventure. Way more than just going to church. <laughs> he's called you to change the world. <laughs> he wants to use you in mighty ways. In, in ways you can't even ask or imagine. With his power flowing through you. So we be still. Recognize the giant as a spiritual issue. And we train. How did that go? That foot back. This one. No, this was back. This one went up. That's not bad. I think I pulled something, but it wasn't bad. And we train. And we train. And when you fall, we're here to pick each other up. Daniel LaRusso's story is an amazing story. I connected with this story as a young kid, and I still watch it every year. There's something about this story to gain victory over the giants of life. You don't need to live a defeated life. But it starts by surrendering our lives to Jesus. It's not about spirituality. It's not about church. It's not even just saying, well, I follow some form of God. As Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And when you believe that, that Jesus, fully God, left his throne in heaven and came and lived among man, fully man, tempted in every way that you and I were tempted, but he never gave in to that sin. He stood right in front of the devil who tempted him, and he was able to say, Get lost. Get behind me. And because of his love for you, because of his love for me, he was willing to go to a cross where the wrath of God against the sin of humanity, instead of it being put on us, it was put on Jesus. And in his dying breath, Jesus said, it is finished. That the wrath of God has been satisfied. We don't have a God who's up in heaven waving at us and angry at us and ready to pour out wrath and judgment. We have a God in heaven who's waiting to pour out grace and love and mercy and peace and hope. 
and self-control and long-suffering because of his love for us. And the Bible says that you can start that journey. You can start the proper training just very simply. You can do it from home online or here in person. Just praying a simple prayer. I'd like to lead you in that kind of prayer. And if that's you this morning, I pray that you would pray this and that you would be just let the Spirit of God come into your life and make you, make you new today. But you can just pray real simply. And it just goes like this. Like, Father God, I know that I have sin in my life. And I know that I deal with sin of others around me. And this sin in my life feels like a giant. I pray today, God, that you would be victorious over that giant. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Thank you that I can be made new because of his sacrifice. Today, I give you my life. I don't want to play church. I don't just want to get my three points but I want to be equipped for the battle of this life so that I can stand before you one day and hear, good job, faithful servant. For the rest of us, I'm going to invite everyone to stand. I don't normally do that like this, but I'm just going to stand all of us to pray, and I'm going to pray a blessing for all of us today. Because I know, I hear your stories, and I know some of you are dealing with giants. That's just the way life is. In a room of this size, definitely people are dealing with stuff. So I'm going to pray that God would give you strength and peace to deal with it. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us here today and for those watching online that you would help all of us in the struggles of this life that we face. When the giants come before us, that you would help us to be still before you, God. Help us to hear your voice, to know that you're with us to know that you will be exalted among the nations and that you will be exalted in all the earth. Father, when we try to solve our problems in our own strength, forgive us for that. Help us to see the problem as it truly is, as a spiritual problem. Maybe it's an issue that we need to deal with in our lives, a sin issue in our life, or how we respond to the sin around us, whatever that is, Lord. I pray that you would open our eyes to see. And Father, I pray that we would use this season um, to grow and to train. Whatever that looks like for all of us. For some of us, it might be to find a life group to join. Some of us might be to start serving. Some of us might be to start you know, going for counseling. Whatever that looks like, Lord. I pray that you would help us to take steps to grow in your strength that's been made available to us. So that we can use that crane kick and sock the enemy in the teeth. That's not biblical. That's Kevin paraphrase. So God, I pray that you would use us for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.